When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. 1-1. Welcome along to episode number 79 of the Bitter Edge Supporters Trust podcast. Ronan Flanagan again with you here this week. And this week, I am delighted to be joined by Sean Dunn. Sean, how are you? All good, Ronan. Thank you. Donald Kelly, how's things? All good, Ronan. Cheers. And Jerry O'Connor, what is the crack? All good, Ro. All good. So this week, we will look back on last week's victory over UCD. We will hear your shouts from the shed end. We will give away a case of the White Hag beer from the UCD game. And as well as that, we will discuss the latest news, um, including the under-17 women's team who have a semi-final coming up this Saturday at home to Cork City. And we will discuss the 10-year anniversary since Sligo Rovers won the league title in 2012. It's hard to believe it's 10 years ago, but uh, we'll certainly discuss that in great detail as the evening goes on. So, I suppose we'll go back to the UCD game, Sean. We'll start with yourself. Uh, a 2-0 win, and probably, you know, it was deserved in the end. Uh, fully deserved, Ronan. Um, and more importantly, that that demon has been exercised. We've got that monkey off the back of not being able to beat UCD. So, that was a good one to get over the line. But um, all in all, really, actually impressive performance. Some lovely football played at times. Uh and nice to see Russell as well, actually. He must have been listening to the podcast. Soft up that <laughs> midfield. You know, pretty much went the way we wanted it to. So that was good. Um, but no, it was nice to see that as well. And I think it was, you could see the difference. There was a huge difference in the centre of the park with the boys in there. Now, Burton and Morton and thought all were excellent. Um, but as I said, some lovely play. Goals, really impressive. And it's something we've all cried out for his goals from midfield and McDonald come up trumps. And uh, Donald, Sean mentioned there the goals from midfield, but the midfield battle is, you know, we've been talking for, you know, the whole season long, I suppose, about midfield. But what do you make of yourself, you know, seeing, as Sean mentioned there, Burton and Moran? Well, I, I thought that uh, they played very well. It brought a lot of energy to the, uh, to the side. And mobility and and for Burton, I thought Burton was definitely a contender for man of the match. Um, I think it was ball was for the second goal. It was a, it was a, it was a great pass. Mm. But uh, it's just energy and intensity and uh, and a bit of drive, especially against the kind of youthful, I suppose, UCD side. It, it gave us a great uh, great impetus in the game, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, as well as that, I thought Evac as well, like just running off the ball. I think the game might have been nil nil. And uh, there was a UCD player playing a ghost in the back post. Levac got back and made a crucial block. It was, it was an important time in the game. And small and things like that. Like the work rate of the team on um, on on Friday night was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and they all worked hard. And it, like it was just, I suppose, it was um, 
It was it was uh, it was a performance that I suppose showed the character of the, of the team. Um, coming back from the disappointment of the, the game against Champs. And Jerry, Sean mentioned there about the the goals from midfield. You yourself, you've been on before. Uh, you know, goals coming from midfield, and Adam McDonald certainly answered your your calls on Friday night. Yeah, he did. Um, got two great goals, two great finishes. Um, I suppose why were we not doing that earlier in the season? You know, um, look at fairness the way that we're playing. You know, Kina drops deep. He was dropping deep. And at times uh, this season, there was nobody going going beyond him. And uh, in fairness, McDonald took those, took that on the last night, took the chance on, on you know, the gamble and getting ahead of him. And he got two great finishes and two great goals. But uh, yeah, look, we want to see more of that. Like, um, probably a slightly different shape and a different system to what we played against uh, Shamrock Rovers uh, and Galway. The uh, the week or two before that, um, it's I suppose a sort of four three three, but narrower. Uh, what's that? Narrower. Yeah, it's narrower. Um, and there's a lot of movement between the the front three and I suppose the number ten as well. So, um, not always a huge fan of that kind of system. To be fair, I like kind of more of a a focal point up front. But I can see, you can see what. John Russell is trying to achieve. If you sit back and look at it, mm. there's a clear plan there. It doesn't always come off. It takes. A, I think it's going to take a little bit more time for the players to get used to it. But look, it's it's the modern way of, of playing football. I think, and not necessarily the way I would. But I suppose the the uh, the problem that we've had in the past is that there has been no clear plan. But you can definitely see it now. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well, Jerry. Definitely, there's. There is a plan coming into place and I kind of tend to go along with you, Jerry, in terms of playing an out-and-out striker up top now. I'd nearly be inclined to see them going to a two up top. Yeah. I think I think if you even look across the game at the highest level possible now, you see even in the Premier League, you see the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, maybe not Chelsea, but Liverpool and City are all playing with out-and-out number nines now and getting someone tight to them as well. They're nearly going back to that old... Two yeah. up top, nearly to a four-four-two at this stage. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's something we could look at. I think there's a foundation there for maybe playing, you know, a four-three-one-two. Yeah, and taking away our width altogether as such. Yeah, and, and you can still away. you can and you can still apply the same principle as to what we're currently playing at the moment in terms of I suppose fluid fluidity and movement and interchanging and things like that. So you can yeah. easily spin the three. But I think as well how just to, you just mentioned there is just about that tightness now that we're getting back to that partnership maybe up front and that's what I'd like to see. Like even now, you know, in the underage leagues, you see uh, most teams still play a four four two and probably never moved away from it, which isn't probably a good thing either because it is good to learn different systems. But the one thing I always when I watch youth football is that there's not that tightness between the front two, yeah, and that drives me insane. You know, because you know, if you're gonna play the two, you need one feeding off the other, and and you need that tightness. And I, I yeah, if if not one, two, but at least it's as I say, at least we've got a plan, and you can see it. And I think, look, John Russell knows more about any of this stuff than us, and I think it will be very easy to implement what you're saying. The you know, uh, the ten and the two up front as well, Sean. It's not a huge 
it's not a million miles away from what we're doing. No, it's not. It just gives another option. Like, yeah, you could have it in different variations anyway. So you could um, have much of a muchness there. But even when you're talking about the fluidity and the movement throughout the side there the other night, there was a the spell at one point we had an attack. It was actually where McDonald nearly scored his hat trick. Yeah. It was a lovely move there with Keena. And Keane is breaking into the space, but Frank, and goes back to what Donald was mentioning about Frank earlier on, his movement off the ball and getting into key positions. He makes a brilliant run off the right of Keane, and it nearly looks like that's the that's the obvious pass, and it nearly attracts the UCD players to him. But then Keane has that brilliance in him, and he almost plays that reverse pass across to McDonald, and it just cuts out the whole UCD back four and lines up that ball beautifully for McDonald. And it's just... That little interchanging and movement throughout the front line, if we can get that up working properly, like you will, I understand UCD are a lesser side and they won't be of the quality of Shamrock Rovers or anything like that. But it's still very hard to defend it against no matter who you are. If we can get that interchange of play and runners off the ball and that creativity on the ball. But it's, 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 I think like uh, the Keen obviously likes to drop a bit deep, right? So when he's dropping deep like that, you, what you do need is you need the likes of McDonald or whoever just to, to actually take the gamble and go forward on the kind of way and get yeah. beyond him. And I, I think that was the difference. Like he he took the gamble at McDonald a couple of times there on, on Friday night and refused to pay dividends. Uh, whereas I know sometimes maybe Max Man, he, he, he maybe should try and get. Maybe stretch teams a bit more if, if you know what I mean. Like if if Keane drops deep and Matt is prepared to kind of maybe drag a couple of defenders back a bit or something like that. So it's uh, it's all it's all very compact. You need fellas that's willing to kind of run beyond uh, Keane when he does when he does drop deep and create a bit of space. So because he has the vision and the ability to kind of pass and stuff like that. I think cool. yeah, and even in regards to Matt there as well, Donald. I think he suffered nearly through the system as well. Where yeah, anytime he's played, there has been two wingers. So everything has been a wee bit wider. It's not been as compact as it was the other night. And, you know, even with Keane then playing in the 10, he drops deeper again. <laughs> he's nearly dropping into a number eight position. So he's further away from Mata. Whereas, last, whereas the other night he was playing as the number nine, he dropped into a number 10 position. Yeah. But I think that's just, it, it is his natural reaction just to be involved in the play. But I think when we were tighter there without the, we weren't as wide. Obviously there was wingers, but we weren't as wide. And you could see it that everyone was closer into Kena and it was, we were able to pop the ball a little bit quicker yeah. as well. You know, even with Morahan and Burton, I thought Burton thrived in that system the other night. I thought it really, really benefited him. Just as, as you mentioned there, Sean, as well, just about, you know, we didn't play with, I suppose we didn't play with wide players, but we, we had, um, Right inverted, side and, and inverted like, wingers as well. I'd go, yeah. Like Fitzgerald, I think his best work actually came when he cut into the middle and he drove through the middle with the ball. And I thought he was very impressive, um, in that position. So, like, he gave us a he gave us a lot of threat going through there. And he's he's a, he's a midfielder that's able to carry the ball, which you know, um, probably lacking in the game at in, in, in all teams at times, you know, where a player can carry the pitch up the ball up the pitch. Um, and get the whole team moving up then as well and stretching the play. Yeah, like and Levac the same as well on the other side coming in. Like there's a, that beautiful ball from Burton in the first half for um Kena, where it, it comes across more and plays it out to Levac and Levac comes across the 18 yard and lays it off to Burton and he just thinks it over the top for Kena and he's, it's the header. It's actually a brilliant save from the keeper. Oh yeah, yeah. We got a corner from it, I think, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. 
But just yeah. like those, as you're saying, Jerry, that's with Fitzgerald and Levac coming in like that. You know, it's impressive. And hopefully it's something that we continue on for the rest of the season now. Yeah. In fairness to Burton as well, I think it was probably his best game for Rovers. Um, you know, he really dictated the play. Um, kept the ball moving. Um, clever little passes and just, as I said, just kept it moving and kept kept us ticking over. And just that level of, I suppose, when you keep the ball moving and it's not going sideways or backwards, like he's looking on the looking to get on the front foot all the time. Yeah. And, and that just keeps us ticking over. And, you know, we're not kind of having to constantly... Um, for, uh, re, re, regenerate the ball yeah uh, you know it's keeping them turned all the time as well Jerry it's not allowing yeah. them to get back into their shape and get, get faced up on the ball again where it's hard to break them down in, in, in my opinion Burton's best two performances for us was against UCD and against uh, Viking the home leg against Viking and more than was beside him in both games so I think you know, it's a pity we didn't see that partnership maybe a bit more different times after the fighting game, but sure, look, I suppose wherever we are now, but uh, definitely I thought he was fantastic on, uh, on, on Friday night, yeah. I'd agree with you, Donald, as well, in that partnership. I think Morahan does an awful lot of dirty work that goes unnoticed, and he's not afraid to just play them simple five-yard passes and let the likes of Burton or that go and play. Whereas yeah. he has the ability to play them passes himself, and he he is an attacking player in his own right, Morahan, but he does... He does an awful lot of donkey work as such, and I don't want to label him as that kind of player, but he, he puts in the grunt work and he does allow those players to go and play, and that's what you need as well. And if you can get them operating together, it's only going to be successful. And, and I, I guess as well, look, um, I know, Sean, you probably said this a couple of times, that, you know, when you look back to the Shamrock Rovers game and we went with the three in midfield and you can see why John Russell picked those three in terms of experience and things like that. But it didn't. It didn't work. And as you said before, as you said, that, you know, he's a young manager. He's going to learn from that too. And it's important that we do learn. And um, and it's important that we changed it against uh, UCD. Went for a different, same system, but uh, different players. And like that too with Burton being on the front foot and making those little passes forward. You know, it changes the whole dynamic of the team and uh, the, the the system really. So. Yeah, look, it's you know, I suppose we just need to use these games as well for the next rest of the season, just as how 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 to how to play against certain teams and what what we can learn from it and carry it into next year, really. And it's course, just on something uh, Donald says as well is the intensity yeah. the side, and to see that the other night as well when that game could have easily been considered a dead rubber, where you know it could have been a lackluster affair and just it's UCD piling on the pressure because they're in a dogfight to stay up. But it was us that took the initiative throughout the whole game, I felt. And that we were the we were the team that looked like we wanted to we were looking to win something, you know, that we had something to fight for. Technically we still do, but I know uh, yeah, a hundred percent you want to see a reaction uh, from, from the Shams game and definitely they, they showed that anyway. So yeah, no credit credit was due, yeah. And is that what I suppose the remainder of the season, is that what the remainder like does this is an open question to all three of you lads, I suppose, is that is the rest of the season for trying those things to see what, you know, I suppose you could say building towards next year, but trying, you know, what suits, you know, is it for, you know, trying yeah. things and seeing what works, what doesn't work, you know? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, um, 
yeah, you know, says, look, technically we have something to play for, but I suppose unofficially, you know, um, look, fo like football's all about learning all the time, really, isn't it? And trying different things when you can, and and you know, and I suppose yeah, building towards next year. Uh, who knows what players will be here, what players will go, but. I suppose the manager needs to find, you know, what's the best system with what he has as well. And yeah, now's the time to do it really, isn't it, I think. Yeah, as we know, we do know we've the the guts of the squad is going to be here next year. So I think you do have to have a an element of of your game plan is installed already that you don't want to be going into pre-season with everything coming off afresh and starting from square one. I think Russell will have it. He, he clearly does have a style of play. We've seen it. You know, we've seen it in flashes. There's been some consistency with it throughout a run of games, but I think there is a there's a few players to come into that team and it, it could all change. I don't know in terms of how we play, but I think more or less to what we've seen the other night is the way forward and we've seen that a few times already this season. And I think with the, with the guts of the squad there next year, this is the time to really implement that. Now you've four big games coming up four good games, real big tests. So, you know, if you can really push that system through now for the next few games, yeah, you've got your building blocks there already for pre-season. And then you'll, you'll just add your little touches to it then with whatever players you're bringing in and hopefully improve it. I was just going to say, Ron, that uh, it's, well, I suppose it's important that we finish as high up the table as we can as well. Like, uh, uh, like I think, uh, obviously, Shams, head uh, 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 is the best team in the league, but, there's very little, in my mind, there's very little between ourselves, Dundalk, Derry and Pats. And, uh, you know, like, it, 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 we should certainly endeavour to, to finish as high as we can or as close as we can to those on their coattails and kind of put as much daylight as we can between places like Shelburne, Bohemians uh, and the rest of them. I just think, I, in my own head, I think that's important just to, to finish out the season as long as we can. I don't think there's anything between us, Donald. Bash arms, obviously, naturally there. Even Derry, I don't think Derry are that far ahead of us. That game in the brand new, like it was free, a free kick. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it was one goal. No, I think one game that kind of changed the season for us was the was that uh, the, the middle of the European games was the the past game away in in Brisbane um, yeah. and you know it, that game was like a toss of a point, and I think whichever team won that game. Was going to go on, and the first pass they've done it, and uh, credit Tim Cansey, like uh, he's, he's done a fine job with them, like. Um, but uh, I think that was a toss of a point game, and whichever team won that, unfortunately, it wasn't us. The, the and pass have gone on, they've, they've, they've kind of thrived since, but um, uh, yeah, some of those things, I suppose. They found our consistency after that, and we didn't, we, we yeah. fell off a cliff for a few weeks. And it is that was a vital moment in the season because we were still in touching distance at that point yeah. as well. There was nothing in it at that, at that stage, but um, but genuinely, I don't think there's that much between us. Obviously, Derry will strengthen again next year, and sure, the other fellas always have their money to spend, and they'll live even more now um, with this European run they're on. But they can only sign so many players as well, and. Mm -hmm. um, but I, as Donald says there, I, I don't think there's that much between us. Uh, I wouldn't worry about anyone else, really and truly. I, I'd, we've just let ourselves down at times this season. I think if we had picked up a few more points that we should have picked up, like we obviously would be still well in this European race and, you know, everything's rosy in the garden then. Yeah, it's just, uh, well, you said it there, it's just the difference is that consistency. 
And in fairness to, to Derry and Pats, they have been very consistent throughout the season. Um, the talk have been pretty similar to ourselves. They're, they'll go on a good run and then they'll fall off a cliff and then they'll, they'll probably, you know, they'll probably pick up a few points enough to between now and the end of the season. But uh, definitely consistency is, look, consistency is the key in any, any league. And as I say, Pats and Derry did really have that. There's never been really a period of time. Derry did have a patch. I can't remember a long period of time where Pats didn't pick up wins. Yeah. They're pretty consistent, in fairness. Dundalk have been blessed. Dundalk remind me of us last year, where they go on these mad runs of not getting any results, you know, losing games. Yeah. But, you know, they were lucky enough. It was us that was, you know, keeping them in the top three this time because we weren't picking up the points. Where we were yeah. blessed last year was the likes of Dundalk and that they kept falling away last year. Yeah. And plus as well, the three points, you know, like that was a six-pointer that... You know, with the suspension like that, yeah. that ultimately will look. It might they, they might finish more than three points ahead of us, but mentally that, that was huge, Jerry. Yeah, you have to be honest. That that was the that was the, the turning point. You know, like, you look it's at the gifts and the form we had hit coming into that as well. Yeah. The buzz that was around, you know, the place was starting to buzz again, and everyone was on a field goal. It's just someone got a pin and popped that balloon, and that was it. It was yeah. just complete yeah. deflation after that. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't maybe use the description of popping a popping a blue. It was more like a kick in the bollocks, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 oh, because you know, of all the teams to to fucking to lose uh, the three points and three goals, to you know, it couldn't have been any worse in terms of the team that we did lose it to, because mm. um, it was ultimately six goals and six points, and that that just that was it. You know, look, maybe one of them will fall away in the last couple of games of the season. When we beat them all. You know yourself. If 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 the shoe was on the other foot and we were in dock and we had gotten, we were beaten and we were well beaten, and all of a sudden within a few days someone turns around and says, "Right, lads, here's we're going to take three points off uh, the dock and give them to you and three goals." Like you're 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 buzzing. Ah, oh, flying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> This is Sean from America. That's what we've been waiting to see, I believe, from uh, John Russell when he took over and the way he's been talking. That's what I've been wanting to see from this team. And it pretty much had everything we've been looking for. UCD's had our number all season and uh, we finally got the win. Uh, we look really good doing it. We controlled that pretty much the whole game. Uh, the intensity was there. You could see the attitude was much improved. Um, you know, I mean, we had everything. Quality, passing, the midfield had legs and energy, and uh, we had the finishing. Adam McDonald, he looked like a brand new player. Like he's just coming in kind of like the back half of last year like this the player we about we've been looking for all season and uh, I thought he was exceptional for me that's more of his, his best position when he plays forward in the three or higher up than when he's sitting back but he was incredible
and uh, Robbie Burton. He's running the show from the back. Some of those passes, that through ball for the, the second goal, and that one over the top to Kina that uh, he headed over was great. Um, but, I mean, it was great to see the way we played. We played on the floor, played through the lines. We weren't trying to pass it back to the the center backs and then just lump it forward and hope we get it. We actually played ball, and that was the most encouraging sign, and hopefully we can keep playing like that. Um, whether we win or lose, frankly, I'd rather just see them play just like that. Um, it was really good. Um, the only thing that worried me just a little bit, it's not a real big deal, was uh, Kina kind of looks like he's lost a little bit of that killer instinct. Maybe it's because playing in the 10 more and he's running around doing, trying to link up play and do everything himself. Um, but frankly, he's been amazing this year as well. So can't ask for a whole lot more. Hopefully we'll see some more of that against Dundalk uh, up the Rovers. Right, lads, we'll move on now to beer scorecast time. Jerry, we had a case to watch a beer to give away. I think two of them, or one of them, for the UCD game there on Friday. Two, uh, one for Facebook and one for Twitter. So the Twitter winner was uh, Daniel Lang. Um, and the winner on Facebook was Darren Meddy. Um, and the winner for the Shams game was Stephen Keeney. So... We'll, uh, we'll get on to the lads there to get them their uh, their email addresses and get the beer sent out to them. I know Daniel would want it immediately. Uh, no patience, that man. <laughs> you get about 40 messages. Where's my beer? <laughs> <He's right. laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, that's beer. Beer scorecast, and we'll have two crates again for the next home game. So that will be Derby. So our next two home games are the last two games. Uh, so Derry on the Monday night and Pats on the Friday night. Right, as we move on out to a bit of news, uh, the men's under-19s will start with them. They played Pats in the Cup semi-final on last Sunday. And unfortunately, they were defeated in that semi-final. But Jerry and Donald, as far as I'm aware, you were both at the game. I'll start with you, Donald. Would you have to give just kind of quick rundown of what went on in the game? Yeah, Roland, it was, um, I thought, to be fair, I mean, I thought the Rovers started the game very well. Pass came into it for a wee spell early in the first half. But we were totally dominant, I felt, uh, for the first half, certainly, anyway. Uh, uh, Keenan Garrett scores a great goal, lovely body, dead to the box, uh, for ball that broke out from cross take or something like that. But, um, uh, just I, 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 certainly, I don't think the score, the, the scoreline reflected the, the the way the game went. I mean, we went two one up, give away a stoppy goal, and then pass scored another two in quick succession. And it was obviously once the third one went in, it was I think it was about ten minutes left. Uh, it was hard for the, the last back after that, but I thought it was a very decent performance. Um, certainly, the two centre halves were excellent. Barrow was very good. And uh, I don't know the name of the lad. He's number six, big tall lad. Anyway, sure you probably know his name, do you? Oh, uh, the lad from uh, Athenry. Uh, what's his fun? He's been in the squad. Her McCarthy first squad. 
Yes, yes, McCarthy, yeah. So, yeah. Thought he had a very good game, I have to say. Um, and uh, I'd say just on forces, um, I thought uh, some of the refereeing was questionable, but other than that, sure, this what it is. Uh, but yeah, good performance, unlucky, unlucky losers on today. And Jerry, go on. Yeah. Thought you were going to come in there, Jerry. No, he's good. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're waiting for me to go in on the ref, Jerry. <laughs> he was shy. Um, Jerry, there's a lot of talk about the, the goals that went in that game. Don't mention Barlow's volley, but uh, a lot of talk about Ian Clancy's overhead kick or whatever it was. Yeah. It was actually it was it was from a barrel throw in, um, and he's got a really good throw. So he threw it into the box. Clancy caught it on his chest and just spun uh, and put it into the top corner of the net, all in kind of one motion. But it was a really really good goal, and it's not the type of goal you'd see a centre half normally score. Um, it was a really good game. In fairness, um, like as Donald said, there it was never a four two game. Um, what we went in one nil at half time. Pat scored about a minute into the second half to equalise. Then Clancy scored that goal, um, and I'd say it was about fifteen minutes to go when Dundalk got the or sorry, Pat's got the equaliser, uh, and then they just got kind of two goals on the break when Rovers were pushing. I think we looked for last. I think we just kind of ran out of steam to be honest. Uh, we looked tired. Um, and just they got the lucky breaks at the end but it was in fairness it was a really entertaining game with some great goals uh, 4-2 was a bit unfortunate but look um, good learning curve for them I'm sure Next bit of new la- news lads is that uh, we saw two Sligo Rovers players play for Ireland during the week Emma Doherty and Pixie O'Hara played for the Ireland under 19s in European qualifiers in the in Poland rather and uh Pixie played uh, a game and a half. Emma Doherty played all three games and Emma even scored in the game against Northern Ireland in a 1-0 win. And um, unfortunately, uh, because of results elsewhere, because Poland defeated Northern Ireland 8-0, Ireland haven't qualified. But Donal, um, Emma Doherty, you know, we've talked talk about her all season. Um, and she's, you know, shown on the international stage once again what she can do. Yeah, huge challenge for them. Uh, as we said, a bunch of times, uh, like real, real talent. And again, it's great for to, to get her first international goal as well. And uh, look, at, I suppose if she can just keep her form going and start, start next season off uh, as strong as she possibly can, you know, she's uh, um, later. Would would she be? Would she be? Uh, Sorry, my mind's gone there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. God. Sorry, Ron. No, you can you can if you want to keep on talking, you can, but whatever suits that. Like. No, it's just talking. No. Are you calling for it to be in the, the senior squad for the World Cup next year, Don? Well that's what I'm supposed to get at. Like you know what I mean? Like if I mean if she can if she can uh, I suppose progress. Uh, and and the tra- trajectory that that she's shown since the start of the season, and like it seems of the goals she scored, like she's everything. She's like she really has everything. She has the potential uh, uh, to get there. Absolutely, yeah. But did Vera Pat not say that you kind of have to be playing professional football to be in the squad? I know Anya O'Gorman uh, 
was brought back in there. But from what I can see, are not are most of the players are are either UK most UK based. I'd imagine one or two in the states. I think is it. Yeah, you're correct there, Jerry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a shame, like, because you know when you have your own league, I suppose we see it with the men's team even as well. Like, yeah, you know, um, I think it's a bit. Uh, look, I, I can understand why uh, Pau would encourage players to uh, to go and play professionally, but I don't think you can come out maybe with statements like that to say, well, pretty much if you're not playing professional football, you're not getting in the squad. I think that's a bit kind of... It's kinda... not destructive towards the, the development of the women's football within the country, isn't it? Because yeah. like we're a good bit away from being a professional league on the women's side of things. We're not even a full professional league on the men's side of things. Yeah. So, you know, you're already limiting a huge amount of players coming through and there's some fabulous talents in the women's game in the Eritricity League already. Yeah. Like, why would you want to rule them out already and not even offer them the chance to maybe, you know, to grasp for that, for that chance of getting called into the senior squad because of a technicality that they're not a professional footballer, technically yeah. a professional footballer. It's kind of, it's kind of got a, a whiff of Trapatoni about that type yeah. of uh, yeah and like in fairness as much as the, the the national team has progressed rapidly so too in tandem has the has the League of Ireland uh, women's league so like yeah it's just I don't, I don't know if it's the right thing to say and in fairness I suppose just staying with Pau for the moment and because it's topical this week, even though it's not Sly Rovers related, I just thought her statement um, regarding the 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 singing of um, the Celtic, Celtic Symphony song, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if she understands uh, maybe Irish psyche and... Uh, history and things like that because the way she went about she completely threw the players underneath the bus in her in her interview um, and also the girl that put the, the post up online you know like oh I had words with her and I told her that this, this, this. like totally chastising the players like they're a young bunch of girls that you know I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong but part of a lot of Irish celebrations and things like that is when you know these songs are sang and for the way I don't think the manager is leading or protecting players with the type of interview that she put out there. Um, and I just think she's kind of misread. I know she has to come out and condemn it, but don't be so tough on the players either. And I just think she's very kind of maybe uh, everything's black and white with her when life isn't always black and white. I feel the players have been hung out to dry um, by every organisation nearly in this country this week I think the FAI have let them down like a ton of bricks RTE have even let them down like a ton of bricks huge amount of so-called fans around the country have let them down you know look fair well, enough it's a, it's a mistake but it's not the biggest mistake in the world it's, there was hardly a fucking queue a mile long of people looking to join the IRA the next day like come on you know what I mean they're not, they're not promoting the IRA they're just singing a song like this it's not even a full IRA song. It's, a, it's a, literally a little snippet. Like De- Declan Rice was tweeting up the rat, and he's going, I, I guarantee he'll be captain again someday. Do you know what I mean? So during, like, during the Euros, <sighs> Donald, the English were singing Rule Britannia all around Wembley. Yeah. You I saw, I give you, I, a, I, you know, who wants to listen to that? I give you a good one, right? Samantha Nibrary, the big fucking RT Shamrock Rovers fan, right? 
she was uh, she was tweeting about how disappointed she was and how they let the the the, the country down or something like that. And I I don't know I I can't recall her tweeting anything about uh, the Shamrock Rovers fans that they were singing fucking Lizzie's in a box in yeah. in, in, in Tana. Yeah. I didn't, and I didn't see there wasn't half the outrage about about Shamrock Rovers doing that. Yet these girls that have to represent the country and 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 make it history are being it's, it's the only topic. I don't know if there's I I think Irish people are, are desperate for um, apologising for for their past or for their history or something like that. Just do you know what I mean? It's the past. It's history. It's a fucking song. Get over it. There's awful, you know lot, an awful lot of people in this country that um, love to follow suit with what the English media go at. Yeah. And once Sky Sports and the likes got a hold of it and ran with this, you know, we need to learn our history, which is yeah. possibly one of the biggest insults you can ever get from an English person to an Irish person. And there's no no um, outrage, no, no outrage about that song. No, him talking also about history, like you know. You know, so like you know, side is allowed to be outraged, whereas the other uh, side, um, and I'm not saying whether I'm on one side or the other, but. Um, one side is that the other side is oh, no shut up you, you know you, your opinion doesn't matter it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong it's a song like yeah. you said I'm not all going to run out and join the IRA the next morning yeah it's, it's it's so look people look to be offended these days they just love it they absolutely adore it I think they, they live for it uh, these days you know anything they can be offended by they'll find it and that was just a perfect opportunity for a lot of people yeah same people will be on Paddy's Day singing that song and they'll be singing the Fields of Athen Rye and throwing in the bit about the IRA as well when it comes up. And it's, that. And but it's, it's, it's not even that. I, I think it's the class thing. It's like, uh, you know, people that would sing uh, up the or sing a fourth tone song, for example. They'll be seen by, I think, certain uh, elements in Irish society as being maybe, I know, beneath, beneath them. Mm. You know, and uh, I think it's more of a class thing than it is. And... Uh, I think the people who you see that are kind of very negative towards the song are people was uh, are people in the country that are most about themselves. I, I, that's that that would be my my take on it. So oh, fuck them. Excuse my language. Sorry, but it's it's uh, just totally totally overreaction. It was unnecessary. It should happen. Uh, the the backlash should happen. It's overshadowed their unbelievable achievement. Something that's the country can be so proud of. You know that the women's team has finally made the World Cup, and for that, for people to let that overshadow it is, it's really? actually it's really disappointing on the girls. I feel really sorry for them on that. Right, lads. Last bit of news is that the Sky Growers Under Seventeen Women's Team they play in a semi final of their own. They play Cork City on Saturday at the Showgrounds at three o'clock. So if you're about, Do they have any decent agree? coaches? Do you know, Sean, I'd have to, have to look that up now and see. <laughs> but if you can, make sure you can try and get yourself down to the showgrounds and support the team and uh, hopefully get to a a final and who knows what can happen from there. That's a huge day for you, Ronan. Hopefully it all goes well for you now. That's the problem, yeah. So last bit of news, I suppose, Jerry. Uh, the news. Go on, sorry. The best bit of news. Best bit of news. Yeah. Is the going to be some awards given out, looks like. Yeah. So um the Pats game on the twenty ninth, is it? The Friday? Yes. 
Oh, it's been changed. Yeah. yeah, it was originally the 29th Saturday. So that game now that's moved to Friday night on the 28th. So we're going to have an awards night in the clubhouse um, after the game. So there will be the Sligo Rovers official um, uh, players, men's player of the year award, the ladies player of the year award and the young players player of the year award. Uh, we'll also be having our own awards. We'll be having like the Mark Brindley Trophy, uh, Young Player of the Year Award, and Academy Player of the Year Award. So, uh, yeah, we look. We'll be we'll be having refreshments in the in the clubhouse uh, from six thirty onwards. So there'll be food and drink of all 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 types. Um, so yeah, so uh, it should be a really really good night. Um, and the White Hag are sponsoring for us. So. Because I suppose we didn't get to have our, our night in the brewery. This is kind of a um probably gonna be a bigger and better event, really. So we're expecting a really big crowd, plenty of drink, plenty of food, plenty of awards, plenty of crack, bit of music. As uh, say so we're starting from six thirty that so you can come in, have your pre match in the in the clubhouse, um, with friends and family and so on, and then we'll we'll continue on uh through the game and then the awards and afterwards. So the players will be in attendance as well. So yeah, really looking forward to it. And it's the first time we've really ever done anything like this in the ground. So it's an historic occasion in itself. So um, yeah, and hopefully it's the start of things to come with, you know, plans for new ground and stuff like that and facilities. And But we're, we're delighted to get this over the line. And uh, yeah, it's something we've been looking to do for a good few years. So really thrilled. And hopefully everybody will join us and have a, a brilliant last night at the showgrounds for uh, 2022. Right, for the final part this week, lads, uh, there's no game to look forward to, unfortunately. But uh, we thought we might as well just look back. And as we record today on the 13th of October, 2022, 10 years ago on the 13th of October, 2020, sorry, 2012, 10 years ago, um, Sligo Grovers were won the league title. Sean, I think all three, well, four of us were here. There, um, all of different memories, all of different, uh, a different night at nights out in respective pubs and stuff like that. But uh, I'll start with you, Sean. Um, you know, I know you featured on the documentary with Oshin Warren, which was, of course, a great documentary, timeless documentary. But uh, you know, it's it's hard to believe that it's, it was ten years, you know, since the league was won. Yeah, it's mental to even think that it's that. Uh, so much has happened in the club since. But let's just think back on that day. It was just something else, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Every one of us living our dream. Uh, so I was, as I mentioned, I was on the, lucky enough to be on the doc- documentary with Russian. I said what I had to say that day as well. But like, ah, the, even to think about the crack in the town that night. I'll never ever forget it and meet meeting all the players then in Toffs as well and everyone just going bananas. Like geez, I think at one point in Toffs the music stopped and we just sang Sligo Rover songs for about a half an hour straight. It's unbelievable. Just things you don't see. So you don't it's just, and unfortunately we don't get to see them that, that regularly, but you know that that day live long in the memory for everyone. And so it was lovely that so many Generations of fans got to even so many people that had seen the league win in the seventies, they got to relive it again in twenty twelve, and hopefully the ones that we 
that we got to see it in 2012. We can relive it again a few times before <laughs> it doesn't go, go that many years again before there's another league winning this town. But uh, I don't know, it was unbelievable running. Just from start to finish, it was genuinely unbelievable. And Dolan, you were telling us a, a funny story before we started recording, but uh, some great yeah, for yourself that day. Just me, uh, it was beyond, uh, it's, it's actually a scary thing now. My uncle was 12, uh, and he had no interest in football whatsoever, like none. And uh, I, I, I dragged him to the game, I said, No, I said, You're coming. I said, This history going to be made today, and you may never see a day like this for the rest of your life. And uh, I still remember the lads, it was Neil Devaney and Gavin McGordick, that we, we had, at the time we were going to nearly every game home and away, and uh, another good few lads there that we would have. Uh, Followed that would have been good old followers down down through the years, and I mean that day, it was just it was just everything about today was perfect. The whole build up around the town and everything at the week of the game was it was just it was a special time, and uh, I was just saying to you as well, just so so anyway on on the day it was I just remember it being a beautiful day. Uh, I dropped the oven off to my mother's. Uh, she's going mind them, and he's heading for the pub, and just you two, it's beautiful day was playing in the. Was was on the radio and it was just, I was just in such a high. I was just such an, an amazing day and it was just like, for so many years it was it was the culmination of 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 so many years of almost being there and and it was a, a sense of reaching the destination. It was just a special special time and it's it's a certainly it's a day that that lived long in my memory. I'll never forget it. It was truly a great day for me anyway. And Jerry, your own memories of. That day, oh, it's just class to be honest with you, absolutely class. And he, like, it really was a dream come true. I remember a year, like, when I was young, when Donald Mendes is young for the there at 12. I remember going to bed at 12, and I used to be praying to God that we would be a good team because that was back in the, the 80s. And, like, you know, geez, we'd be giving out about games now and about crowds and things like that. But back then, like, the ground was a shithole. There was nobody at the games. The football was cash. And I used to go to bed as a 12-year-old, praying to God that we would win something or we'd be good or whatever like that. Um, and I suppose even back then, like, you, you know, I suppose kids had lot, a lot less to be occupied with. All we did was play football or, you know, that sort of thing. So it really was a dream come true um, for me. Um and I, I'll never forget it, to be honest. It's the day I die, I'll die a happy man out because we, we won the league and we've we done it. And um, yeah, as for the day, it actually was really nice day, massive crowd. Um, while we went 2-0 up, uh, they brought it back to 2-all. And at 2-all, I thought, that's it, we're fucked. Even though there was another couple of games to go after it, I just thought if we had lost that game, we were going to lose the league. And I just felt... That we were losing our grip on it, and Pats were turning the screw. Um, but in fairness, look, the, top, the, the team showed their character, and uh, fair play to McGrath on the line. He he flagged for the penalty when the fucker wouldn't flag for anything most times, but this at least this one time. And I think the gods in heaven and all the Rovers legends and all the Rovers supporters in heaven helped him lift the flag that day because it was a penalty in fairness too. But I suppose it's not something you'd always get in. Then sure, uh, Quigley stepped up and stroked at home. I um I would normally be I wouldn't normally I don't think I watch I never watch penalties really. Uh, I don't think I watch it 
I'm not sure if I watched it or not. It's a bit blurry now, but he probably was the most confident man on the ground going up to take down penalty. Ah, didn't knock a feather out of him. Um, but sure, look, he, that's Quigley, isn't he? He's ahead the ball, you know. So, but he's sometimes these head the balls are, are crazy geniuses, and in fairness, he was a crazy genius on the pitch. Uh, and one thing I would say about that as well, you know, we kind of forget about um, Quigley, as in, you know, he wanted to leave. Uh, I think it was about 10, 12 games into the season, and I know he didn't show up for training and things like that. And in fairness to Barraclough, you know, most managers would have probably, especially when they're already new in a job, would have stamped their authority on on the situation like that and told him, fuck off, you know, don't bother coming back or punish him in a certain way. But Barraclough didn't do that. He, I suppose he, he, had, he showed patience with, with the player and, and, you know, understood that Quigley wasn't your average Joe or he was a little bit different than most. Um, but he showed patience. He he uh, he, he, he extended a, an olive branch to, to Quiggs and in fairness, Quiggy came back and, and, you know, sometimes we forget these things and, you know, a season is won or a league is won over a season and by those decisions and, and things like that. And I know people say, oh, it's Cook's team, it's Cook's team. But for me, Look, Barraclough was the manager there. He made he he showed the true class of a manager in that situation, and because of that, we won the league. In my opinion, simple as that. And Sean, like it was, you know, the squad that season was. You could just read it off right now, but like it's, it's you know, it's one of the best squads you'd ever see, not just Cyber Rovers, but you know, the whole league of Ireland. Definitely, it was a, it was an unbelievable team. Funny enough, though, I wouldn't say there was much squad depth. Yeah, it was a very small squad. Yeah, I thought we were limited in certain points. I like even at one point, you know, we had to bring in um Liam. Was it Liam Buchanan? It was Buchanan yeah. the striker we had to bring in in the middle of the season because we literally had no one else. If Quiggs got injured, you know, Danny North was still injured at that point as well. Uh, and who else? It was John Dillon mainly who came off the bench change the game so Pascal was there but there wasn't an awful lot in terms of a squad Henderson missed a, a large chunk of the season too and, and things like that and yeah but I, remember, I remember the first game of the season traveling up to Talking Park and we played Shelburne and we didn't just as you said they showed me didn't have a big squad but we didn't have enough players to fill the bench Um, I think we had oh, I could be wrong now but I know Jake Dykes was on the bench Jason Doctor coming on the bench uh, one or two others, but that was about it, and it was very, very inexperienced. Uh, because in fairness, again, to Barclough, he came in very late, uh, when Cook had left, so you know, he he didn't have a lot of time to put us to get any players in. But look, um, I suppose you know, he, he done a, he done a great job, and the players done a great job with a small squad, but I suppose it just maybe shows how much the game has changed in 10 years as well, in that you know. It seems to be all about squads now, rather than thirteen or fourteen. And in fairness to Barraclough as well, he brought in two of the most underrated players in recent Sligo Rovers history. Anyway, Seamus Keneally and Jeff Henderson. Ah, uh, in that obviously two unbelievable footballers, just outstanding. Keneally especially, he was underrated. Oh, yeah. what a player! What a yeah. footballer! Um, like he's still Accrington, Accrington's. Uh, 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 captain, captain, yeah, yeah. In, in League One, plays consistently. I think he's about thirty-five now. I oh, would be easily, yeah. 
you know, he's just absolutely goes about his business in a quiet, kind of unassuming manner. And I suppose it's not until you take players like that out of a team that you realize how good they actually are. Yeah, even and Jeff Henderson, like he plays right back the day we win the league, like, and yeah. he's a center half by trade. He mm-hmm. played left back for us at times, played center midfield, and wherever you put him, he was he was just a gift. Yeah, and he was only eighteen at the time. You know, he was way above his level for his age. He was, you know, they were very astute signings. They were excellent signings. Ryan Connolly, I know, was brought in at the time as well. But, you know, Connolly was an all right player. He never really done it for me personally on the pitch. But uh, he played his part as well. But, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, the players then throughout the squad, like you did have amazing players then, though. You know, it was the creme de la creme, really, wasn't it? You know, Joey. Danny, Raf, like I know Raf, probably his best goal scoring season was the one before he went to Bowes. But I think that season's actually his best rover season. I think it's an all round play. I think he was absolutely outstanding. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he said at himself, but for me personally, that's I thought he was at his best. You know, because I think I watched the, an interview, I don't know, was it in the documentary or something? Where he's yeah, talking about where he's he mightn't get in the team. He doesn't feel he's going to get in the team. And then he just gets in and he stays there. I think people are saying, you know, he shouldn't really start. And sure, I think once once he went into the team, he never came out. And he was he was unbelievable that year. He was always quality though, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, footballer. It, the ability to change the game always, even like even with Harris, uh, the, when he went to Harris, like, he still had that. Game knowledge or whatever, Joe. He's just a different, just touch class. But that that team was full of leaders and was full of you know, was full of character. Like I mean, it'd be, it'd be a long time to see a, a side as good as that in showgrounds again. In fairness, they they were they were exceptional. Yeah, and to be such yeah. a tight knit bunch as well. Like yeah, yeah. You know, just just was... draft there though. I remember years ago, um, like where. Played against Raf actually in, in the Sligo Lakes for me, and I was playing with Tracy Celtic at the time, and Raf was playing for obviously for Tubber, like, but he was only about maybe sixteen at the time, and uh, like our team, like we were, I suppose the God's Wimbledon men. Yeah, we we were the Wimbledon of Sligo Lakes for me. We had the biggest mafia crew like you could you could gather up, absolute fucking psychos. Like every game ended in a brawl. Even the season or two before that, we had fellas from Lockland House that you used to get dailies and they played for us. <laughs> I swear to God, you used to get dailies on the Sunday to come out and play for us. But anyways, we weren't playing with this, this, this time out in Tubber Kerry. And uh, I remember Ralph was about 16 and he was playing. He was actually playing on the left wing for some reason, I think. Um, but our lads were absolutely kicking the shit out of him um, in the first half. And at halftime... Um, and I would have been quiet enough in that team because you just kept your mouth shut and kept your head down and don't give any fucking cheek or anything like that, you know, because you got they would literally give you a stop. Um, but I says, Look, lads, I says, if next man that kicks him, I says, I'm walking off the pitch. Says, That's a fucking disgrace. He's a 16 year old player and he's an absolute fucking, he was an absolute genius. Um, and in fairness, look, he played all through the game and and, and they didn't like the hit the kind of, I suppose. Like, yeah, well, do you know what? He is a fucking brilliant player and just, yeah, lay off. He was just too good, like. Do you remember that? So I remember seeing him the first time in uh, in the showgrounds. And that's I think he was only 17 then, wasn't he? Even 16 or 17 when he, he made his debut on the showgrounds yeah. with the blonde hair. He might hair. have been only 15 when he played against us. Yeah, like. but uh, he had the bleach blonde hair. Huh. 
And uh, I remember going up, and it was I couldn't believe because remember how tiny he was, yeah. even then when he came, and the jersey was ten times too big for him, and everything on the pitch. I think he was in around the same time as Keith Gilroy, wasn't he? I think there was a few of the young lads coming through, or was Gilroy before him? Keith, Keith would have been gone, I think, at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. but I just never forget it was his leap. Yeah, mind his football, and it was his leap that got me. I was like, "Holy shit! How high did that lad just jump?" Yeah, hands on his of him. Yeah. Oh my god! Like there wasn't, uh, like I don't think even the biggest centre half in the league will compete with Raf in the air. If you win in flick-ons, they just think are impossible. And he actually got one thing I would say as well that referees were very uh, tough on him when he did when he did get up. Um, he he got an awful amount of free kicks given against him. Because he was so good in the air. It was like, how is this little fella able to get up so high? It was like, I just felt that referees were harsh on him and they penalised him a lot of times when there was actually no foul at all. It was just that he was such had such a great leap and was able to hang there. Uh, and he yeah. got so many free kicks. I'd say, he, I'd say he, he'd say that himself. Not that I've ever heard him say it, but I, you could see he was so frustrated at times. Like He never fouled the defender, but because he was so small, he got up so high. It was perceived that he was putting the hands on the shoulders or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Referees just guessing and yeah. giving soft, soft free outs. But no, this going back on that squad. It was, the only, I think, the only shame about that whole thing was Conor O'Grady called it a year short. Yeah, you know, I think that's that'll probably hurt Conor for still, but it's nearly like that Stephen Gerrard moment, you know, where a player has been so loyal to the club for so long and been an unbelievable captain missing out on a league win when he deserved it himself and even Richie Ryan as well it's a shame he had to miss that as well yeah so two two great servants for the club but particularly Connor as a, as a local a oh, absolutely lad. yeah it would have been lovely to see Connor lift that trophy but yeah. looks so be alright lads that's all we have time for this week thank you Sean thanks a million lads thank you Donald cheers guys and thank you, Jerry. Cheers, Ronan. Cheers, lads. We went two and up, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud, and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. One more. Yeah.